fellow lighting nerds and friends, and welcome to another episode of The Light Files, the lighting industry's podcast. My name is Lisa Bartlett. Thank you so much for joining me again. Um, at the top, again, shameless self-promotion. Uh, please go to patreon.com slash lightfiles and uh, support the podcast. It's $5 a month. I super appreciate it. It will help evolve this podcast into more and better things and um, allows me to take the time away from my day job and my already time-consuming volunteer gig to do the podcast. So patreon.com slash lightfiles and be sure to follow us on Instagram at lightfiles and thank you for that. Um, I was struggling a little bit on what to talk about this week. Um but was delighted to receive a really thoughtful email from um, a lighting showroom in um, in the U.S., up in the uh, northeastern United States. And um, it just really set my wheels spinning about what I think a big core underlying issue is in our industry. I, I know I've touched on it. I've probably even said it but I don't think I've quite identified how big of an issue I think this is and really maybe like the source of all the problems. I, I oftentimes compare our manufacturer showroom relationships, kind of like a marriage. And I do that a little jokingly, but, um, in a lot of ways it is very real in that sense. And I feel like we all need to go to therapy. We all need some marriage counseling, the relationships are broken. They're not fully broken. There's definitely bright spots. We remember why we love each other and all that fun stuff, but there are just some real issues with how our relationships have evolved, especially over the past 10 years or so. And it's caused, I'm sorry to say, um, harm on both ends. It's harmed the independent lighting showroom. And because of our um, sometimes failures, it's harmed manufacturers. And that's led manufacturers to do things that don't support independent lighting showrooms. And we just become more and more fractured and we're pulling further and further away from each other. And this is sort of the thing I keep coming back to over and over Um, when I talk about the podcast or sorry, when I talk about the industry on the podcast and just issues that we're having, we have, whether consciously or unconsciously made these decisions that have led to us pulling apart from each other as an industry instead of joining together. And that is where the problems lie. In my opinion, we are not collaborating. We're acting independently. We're too siloed and we're not uh, joining our forces and our creative abilities, um, in a way that's useful and helpful for us. When I, first started going to market. Um, this would have been right at the great recession and a lot of showrooms were struggling then for obvious reasons, whether they didn't have a great mix of distribution and customers or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I would, you know, hear a lot of like hand wringing and like, what are we going to do about this? And, and how can we, you know, get past this and the internet? And especially at this time, you know, great recession coupled with the really oncoming of the internet and, um, even just at the beginnings of everything that it is now, um, there was so much like concern on the showroom side about what are we going to do about this? 
all these customers have gone, nobody's building, everything's a mess, nobody's buying, you know, housing market is on its ears. And oh, by the way, anybody that wants to buy something can now uh, just go shop online and um, get the same thing at this, this new low, low price that isn't the pricing model that we used to use in the showrooms, but is now the pricing model we're being forced to use. And you know, if, um, showrooms were to express these frustrations to like their friends on the manufacturing side, I mean those with all kindness, but I felt like the only suggestions I ever heard were do better, evolve, keep up with the times. There was never any real thought given into, oh yeah, all these complaints must really mean something. And how can we partner together with showrooms to really improve their standing? Now, I will have to say, as things, as you know, the market has worked over the past 10 years, I am seeing a little bit of a turn back to supporting lighting showrooms and really collaborating a bit more. But there was just absolutely minimal amounts of sympathy on the manufacturer side for the struggles that independent lighting showrooms were going through. And I have to say it has probably led to the situation now where manufacturers are struggling so hard with all of these logistical and production challenges that I know are just intense and expensive and outrageous <laughs> and a real, real issue um, but now I, I guess some of us probably on our end feel a little bit of a lack of sympathy because we didn't get much sympathy when we were the part of the channel that was hurting and broken and having a lot of struggles. And I find that to be a real shame because on a personal level, one of the things I love, 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 love the best about the lighting industry is how connected we all are personally, how friendly so many of us are. I'm sure there's people out there that don't get along, but um, everyone is generally professional, respectful, kind, um, thoughtful. I have so many wonderful acquaintances and real friends from the lighting industry, and it just sort of boggles my mind that we have such great personal relationships, but we're just letting this, you know, really important professional relationship suffer. Um, I guess I, I don't know. That's probably just like a human flaw. You know, oh, well, I just like them. And so I'm not going to make them. Um, or, oh, that showroom's great. They're really great. You know, it's okay. We'll make it, you know. So I think maybe there's just too much allowance for our personal relationships sometimes. And we're not doing enough professionally to really forward the industry. Uh, I'm going to read some things off of this um email I got from a listener that just really resonated with me just so I can talk about a few of these things. Some of this might be a bit repetitive, but, um, I think I have some extra comments to add to what this person, um, the thoughts that they had and let's see where we go from there. But, um, the theme for this episode is definitely this fractured manufacturer showroom relationship. Now, the good thing about a fracture is it can be fixed. It can be reset. We can put a little cast on it. We can give it eight weeks and we can be good to go again. I just really think that's important. I'm not in any way saying that any of these issues are unresolvable. They're absolutely resolvable. 
I would just like to see some actual action towards resolution. I don't need any more, um, you know, cheap talk. I just like, let's really start. Let's have the rubber meet the road and let's start fixing these issues. It is going to be so important if these channels of distribution are going to stick, if independent lighting showrooms are going to exist, now's the time that we really need to invest in fixing these issues and to at least aim us back on a course that's more successful for all of us. Is it going to be what it was 20 years ago? No, of course not. Nobody expects that. Or I don't believe anybody in their right mind expects that. But we also need to really aim this ship towards success. Success for all of us is out there. I have seen it in my store. The more we've been able to to focus on broadening our offerings, uh, really being experts, like these are really all valuable things that are working for lighting showrooms. There's more to come on that front, Uh, but we've got to repair these kind of baseline relationships. We've got to get the marriage back healthy again before the rest of this stuff is really going to bloom and and grow and prosper. So um, one of the most frustrating things I read in this email that makes total sense to me and rings absolutely true is um, concerns about direct-to-designer sales and why one of the big reasons why it's gotten so challenging um, on the uh, on a frustrating part from the showroom is when designers are showing up in the store uh, wanting service and help and to see the fixtures, but then there's not going to be any revenue after that because they're just going to go purchase directly. And it gives more margin to the suppliers if they're selling directly to the designers. And in a lot of cases, designers are getting better service from the manufacturers because they now have the extra margin to do so. Like, here's the thing. If there's a problem with a product, we have to go through a whole RGA defective process. It takes a day or two gosh, sometimes three for those emails to even be read and replied to, which is a real problem. It should in no way, shape, or form take that long. But sometimes it can take two or three days for one of those defective emails to even be addressed. And then it's a day or two of back and forth. And then it's, um, okay, we'll ship it. And then it ships ground. So in sometimes, even in a great scenario, best case, it's a 10-day time from when the customer identifies the problem to when the replacement product or item is received in the showroom. And that is not an exaggeration. I would call 10 days generous. Many times it's much longer than that, two weeks, even for products that are in stock with the manufacturers because we have to go through this whole laborious back and forth. And I get it. I am sympathetic to the manufacturer side of this. I understand we cannot just be throwing product around at no charge willy nilly. There has to be a process. We have to confirm these things. I totally, totally get it. But then when some manufacturers who have elected to do direct to trade, direct to consumer sales, suddenly will ship stuff out second day air, no charge to fix a problem. How am I going to compete with that on a 10 day lead time for a basic RGA? I'm just not going to. And 
the designer is going to be willing to pay more for that extra level of service and that rapid rapidity, (laughs) that rapid response, that sounds like a better word, that rapid response to their issue, which is what consumers are really needing and demanding. Um, Gosh, even if, especially now, if they've had to wait um, three, four or five months just to get the product, they certainly don't want to have to wait an extra two weeks for an RGA process. And it is extremely frustrating that our process has to be so complicated. I, I just don't, I, it, it just bewilders me. And it is a complicated process. I have never found, I, it's a thing a lot of showrooms talk about, like how do we streamline RGAs? I'm after this all the time, trying to find ways to make it quicker, faster, more responsive, not just for us in the showroom, but for our customers. And I have yet to find a magic solution. We keep track of our RGAs. We're very detailed. We contact immediately. We always send all of the appropriate information and it is still a slow, labor-intensive process and it need not be. And it only hurts lighting showrooms that it is such an intense process. So there's that nugget out there. (laughs) That's, I think, a part of our our issues. And um, the other thing I wanted to talk about that was uh, this uh, listener highlighted um, my story about, you know, like hit the buyer on the the Name Your Price (laughs) website and how what a common experience that is when, so say, uh, items have been placed on like manufacturers closeouts, but showrooms don't know that the closeout, uh, exists or, you know, it's just a whole process with, um, data files, you know, flinging around the internet and, (laughs) and it can be hard to keep up with for sure. There's, um, a lot of product in our industry. There's a lot of SKUs. A lot of us showrooms are open with many, many, many manufacturers. It is a lot to keep up with, and most of us are small businesses. That is a challenge that I believe showrooms need to work on addressing better and faster, um, keeping up with the data and the information. Um, sometimes, in a lot of cases, it, the information is out there. We just have not appropriately processed it on our ends and we need to do better at that um rather than just say like nobody tapped me on the shoulder and said hey this is discontinued um we showrooms need to take some ownership on that but um transparency timely information huge this actually happened to me once that um i purchased an item for display and not you know three six months later the item was discontinued I feel sure, well, A, it made me feel like I had bad taste as a buyer, (laughs) but then B, I felt sure that the manufacturer knew that this item was on their short list of potential discontinuations, and honestly, they shouldn't be selling that product for display in a showroom. It shouldn't be sales at any cost. It should be thoughtful sales, thoughtful partnerships. Hey, Lisa, this item really isn't moving that great for us. We think it's on our short list. Um, If you want to bring it in for display, we'll take uh, 75% off. We'll just give it to you, whatever it is, to see if it turns for you. Um, But don't hold that product to the same standard as everything else. And then it it leaves us looking like dummies. And then um, say... A customer comes in and this product has now been discontinued. I just bought it for display. I have it at the full, what used to be the full price. 
and and they show you the same price on a or the same fixture on a legitimate website and it's a fraction of the price it makes us look so bad in the showroom and i can't tell you i wish i could add up over the years the number of times a situation like that has happened and i know i'm never seeing that customer again and one by one, it doesn't seem like much, but man, when you aggregate all those people who have just decided that their local independent lighting showroom is overpriced because of this name your price website, or you know the closeout that we didn't have marked because we didn't yet know it was a closeout or hadn't identified it properly, that is a real frustration and challenge. And you add all those people up and it can be a lot of lost customers. A lot. And I don't think there's enough honor for that challenge for the showrooms and how we, we just really need to be doing better. We, we just need to be doing better. Um, the, the, this listener said uh, that lighting showrooms um, need transparency and communication. I'm going to come back to that. But he said... We are good, we are smart, we are creative, we are driven, and we can succeed. But dropping us into the den of wolves blindfolded with our hands tied behind our backs makes it extremely challenging. And that might read as a touch dramatic. I fully agree. We are good, we are smart, we are creative, we are driven, and there has been amazing success in independent lighting showrooms, but it has to be in... A re-engineered terms than we have done before. He mentioned tra transparency, communication, and that's what I keep circling back around to every time I talk about these issues um, about IMAPs or direct to consumer or um, gosh, whatever the challenges are. You know, dis displays, whatever it is, whatever the challenge, current challenge of the day that we're talking about is. Uh, the RGA issue I was just kind of touching on, everything seems to come back to a lack of transparency and communication between this very important relationship. I have said before, I'll say it again, I find it astonishing that a manufacturer that I'm a top-level top customer with and another showroom across the country is a top-level top customer with um, so we're buying at a similar level, um, but we do not get the same emails. We do not get the same notification of pricing updates. We do not get the same notification of IMAP holidays. The communication is so inconsistent, so inconsistent. And if the communication is supposed to be falling on the shoulders of the sales agents, I'm here to tell you by and large, they do not do a great job. They do their best, I feel sure. I don't think anybody's trying to harm the whole chain by lack of communication, but the lack of communication exists and it is very, very detrimental. And the hand in hand with the communication is transparency. I am all for anybody doing what they need to do to succeed. I've said it before, I'll say it again. It is what it is. If selling direct to designers, selling direct to consumer is makes sense for your business, it makes sense for how you're going to grow your business and succeed into the, you know, the future, that's fine. You should be able to say that. You should be able to defend it. It should not be hidden. And if it is a path you're going to take, 
there needs to be thought given to your other distribution partners. And is it necessary for me to protect this distribution partner? Am I just going to do this thing on the side and not even involve my distribution partners? Am I going to do something extra for my distribution partners? Am I going to give an extra inside discount to stocking distributors, uh, understanding that they are committing to selling my product at a different level than a dropship internet website, that they're committing to being open um, five and six days a week uh, to have an expert staff to talk about my product, to have a salesperson work with a client and sell it. I, they're committing to that, so should not they receive an extra discount on the product? And I understand that the showroom distribution channel is expensive with the displays and everything else, uh, and freight policies and what have you, but okay, let's work something out (laughs) because the problem keeps coming back to these like impaired margins in the showrooms, this lack of communication. So we don't have the information when we need to have it. We can't implement it properly. And then on the showroom side, there is a, a lack of responsiveness to challenges. And we really need to be, not to mock myself from before, we need to be doing better. <laughs> and like I said, that's empty advice. Doing better is empty advice. But we need to be taking the information that we have and using it wisely. I really try with the Lighting Showroom Association to share a lot of information that we get about IMAP holidays, um, because if you cannot be blindsided by an IMAP holiday, it's huge. Manufacturers, if you're giving your information to Lights America and Exo Lights, you should also be sharing with them your IMAP holiday dates and terms, and you should be allowing them to flow that, infor- that those discounts, those sales right through to our websites. I, uh, I myself use Lights America, so I know I have the option to either opt to participate in the IMAP sales or not. I'm always going to participate because I'm never blindsided. I'm never going to have that situation where a customer is like, but this is 20% off on Wayfair and it's the same item. And I look dumb. I have such a bitter taste in my mouth over all these customers that (laughs) have done that to me. And I just felt like, oh my God, I don't even know what's going on. So I'd rather take the reduction in margin just to keep uh, the good name of my showroom intact. <laughs> and I think a lot of showrooms feel that way. But that having that that information be transparent and just flow and have it not be pulling teeth or a big ordeal, like, yes, let's do that. Because the more transparency, the more clear we can be, the better we all become. And that's really needed. So again, I think the core of a lot of the challenges I've talked about in this podcast really comes back to fractured manufacturer and showroom relationships. It's not the personal relationships that are fractured. Of course, those are strong as ever and maybe even stronger than they used to be. And I love and adore that. And it just warms my heart. (laughs) There's so many of you out there listening to this that I just uh, adore and respect as human beings. And I'm just proud to know you all. So, I mean, I wouldn't trade that for anything. But on the business side, 
We are doing ourselves a disservice. We are not collaborating the way we need to. We're not listening to one another. Too easy. It's too easy, I think, to just write off um, my complaints, (laughs) Uh, showroom complaints as, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this guy doesn't complain about that. Okay, well, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he complains about something else that happens that doesn't work for them. Or, you know, maybe they're just a better business person. And you know what? If this guy isn't complaining about something that everyone else is complaining about, uh, Mr. Manufacturer, could you go find out why that's not a problem for them and maybe share it back with the group? Because <laughs> that could be really useful. Like, why aren't we helping and supporting one another? I know there's market areas and territories and overlap and you can't do I get it. I get it. That sounds like such a, you know, easy solution and it's not, probably not. But um, it doesn't have to be the hardest thing in the world, you know? I'll say it again. The more we can um, really support independent lighting showrooms, the better everybody becomes. Manufacturers sell more goods. Showrooms get stronger. Customers get better service. They get better lighting. They get better fans. They get a salesperson that can really explain why it is worth to spend $800 on a ceiling fan when the big box stores appear to have a similar one for two or $300, perhaps even with the same manufacturer's name on the box. But you're, you want those showrooms to have an expert staff that can really dig in deep with a customer and explain the value that, you know, spending two and three times the price on a ceiling fan, they can explain why that is worth it. And so we really need to be investing in this relationship. Let's go to therapy. I'll sign us up. (laughs) Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you for supporting the podcast and I will talk to you next time.